0: Good morning. Welcome to Discovery's Digital Gathering. We are glad you're here. We are excited for what God has in store this morning. We want to invite you to download our app, which will help you stay current with our community and get further connected by filling out our new visitor card. Let's prepare our hearts for worship and for the adventure of discovering the good news of Jesus together. If you have your bibles in front of you or your phone whatever it is that you read scripture on would you open with me would you meet me in the book of acts we're going to be in a couple of different places we're going to begin in acts chapter 20 and then we're actually finishing our Ecclesia conversation today so we'll be in chapters 27 and 28 for most of our time together but beginning in acts chapter 20 I want to remind us of the big big idea of this final section of the book of Acts. These are the words of a guy named Paul who says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Remember, this has been our theme over the last couple of weeks. What does it look like for us to testify to the good news of God's grace? Let me pray for our time in scripture this morning. Father, would you, uh, would you meet us today through your word? Would you speak to us? Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us as we not, not only uh, dig into the last couple chapters of this huge book with so many incredible stories, but as we reflect on our whole journey through the book of Acts, God, would you remind us that you are active and living and present, that you still do amazing, crazy things that are so far beyond what we could possibly dream up and imagine on our own? we pray for this time together again. May we be in tune with your spirit and your voice today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, before we get into Acts, just want to give you a quick update. I have not been around the last couple of weeks because uh, we got to go to Uruguay, Montevideo, uh, to hang out for a week with one of our mission's partners, David and Claudia Osa, who work with an organization called Global Scope. They run a campus ministry in Montevideo called La Ruta. And we had just an incredible time with them uh, just a couple weeks ago, getting to hang out, getting to know them better, getting to see their ministry firsthand. Um, We were there, you know, mid-March, which for them is this is the fall. Sorry, it's our spring, their fall, which means that they are actually kicking off their academic year. So we got to be there for the beginning of their year. They are just doing an amazing job connecting with students, uh, connecting with students who are far from God, building community, introducing people to the good news of Jesus. It was incredibly inspiring, very encouraging, and I have a couple more stories about that to tell you as we go through uh, our time together today. But just want to say, if you want to know more about that trip, I got to go, my wife Amy got to go, our kids got to go, Justin and Kayla Kenishoff went, Jenny and Carlson went, any of us would love to share more with you about our experiences there. And then you can go uh, to uh, Globalscope CMF, just Google that and then you can find uh, the La Ruta page there, read more about the team. Um, It's not just David and Claudia, they have a whole team of people working with them who are just fantastic. And so you can hear more about their story that way. And, uh, and then we'll also be giving you some more updates uh, as we move forward. But wow, what an inspiring time and lots of ways in which we can continue to partner together and be a part of this story together coming up in the future. So stay tuned. All right, to the book of Acts, this conversation that we've been calling Ekklesia. Remember, Ekklesia is this Greek word that most often is translated church. The question, as we come in for a landing here, the question that hangs over the book of Acts, I believe, is this. Does God still do crazy things, right? Now, 28 chapters through this book, we've seen God do all kinds of amazing things. And I think sometimes we wonder is this just something that God did back then because the church was starting and it, this was just the beginning of the story? Or Are they a taste? Are these crazy stories a taste of what the church is and can be today? Think about some of the things that we've seen over the course of this journey, right? The Holy Spirit arriving as tongues of fire coming out of the sky, landing on the apostles. 3,000 people joining the church in one day. We've seen numerous healings. We've seen people have incredible visions. Jesus shows up for this guy named Saul, later known as Paul, in a light on a Damascus road as he's on his way to commit murder. We see this guy named Philip teleport. We've seen sorcerers be confronted. We've seen churches planted and disciples made. There's even this one story where a guy falls out of a window Uh, because the sermon is so boring. We don't like to talk about that part, but he falls out of a window and dies. Paul lays down on top of him and the guy just gets up and walks off as if nothing happened, right? All kinds of crazy stories taking place in the book of Acts. And crazy stuff continues as we come in for a landing here in chapters 27 and 28. So if you have your Bibles, take a look here. I'm just going to summarize some of the big events here that end this book. Paul finally, finally, after several trials, after many long speeches, if you've ever read through the last seven or eight chapters of Acts, it can get a little tedious because it feels like it's the same long speech over and over again. But finally, 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 Paul is on a boat to Rome. That that verse we read earlier from chapter 20 is Paul saying, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm going. I am going to Rome to testify about the good news of God's grace. So he's on a boat to Rome. And of course, it's not smooth sailing. It's quite literally the opposite of that. There's a big storm. The ship that he's on is shipwrecked. He washes up onto the shores of Malta. Right after he gets on shore, the snake bites Paul and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Paul's gonna die. He got bit by a snake. But Paul just shakes it off and is totally fine. And then of course, everybody thinks that he's a God, right? Crazy stuff always happening in the book of Acts. Then finally, after the shipwreck, he does make it to Rome where, and this is not a small fact at all, where he's still under watch and guard, right? Still technically a prisoner, but he's there. He made it. He has finished the race. He has completed the task. Look at verses 23 and 24 of chapter 28. So they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and he came in And they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And he witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining to them about the kingdom of God. Remember, this is what Jesus did back in chapter 1, right? This is the fulfillment of what, what Jesus had said would happen. Explaining to them about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. And some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. And then now to the final ending of the story, the last two verses there of chapter 28. For two years, for two years, Paul stayed there in his own house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, We don't have time to cover every single thing that we've talked about since we began this journey a year ago. But I do want to wrap up our conversation here by reminding us of the four big ideas of Ecclesia. And these four big ideas are very much reflected in how the story ends. Big idea number one is this, God has a mission, right? Again, Acts starts with Jesus' declaration. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. God has a mission. God's mission, we might say it this way, is new creation. Right, UN talked about this a little bit last week. God's mission is new creation, restoring his good world back to the way that he intended it to function. The Hebrew word, the Old Testament word for this vision is shalom. The way that we say it here at Discovery is God is all about right relationship. Right relationship with human beings, right relationships between human beings, right relationship with God's creation. So God is restoring shalom to his creation now jesus his life his death and especially his resurrection right which we're getting ready to celebrate next week are the means through which god accomplishes this new creation jesus is the way that god accomplishes his mission therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here second corinthians 5 17 now well jesus is the hero of the story, the climax of the story, he's also not the end of the story. This task of making disciples, of being his witnesses to the ends of the earth, of testifying to the good news of God's grace, this task is given to us, his ecclesia, his church. This is why we've spent so much time in this book, in these stories. We, and when I say we here, I'm not, speaking specifically about discovery, but just the church as a whole, we've lost our imagination for the power and the adventure and the excitement of church. There's this idea that there's big things that are happening in our world, great and important things that are happening out there, but the church is just a bit player. And in some cases, the church is, you know, an evil player and in other cases maybe just an afterthought but when we step into the book of acts we allow our holy imaginations to be formed by these stories we see that the ecclesia the church this sometimes awkward yes sometimes boring sometimes muddled institution is right in the middle of the action the church is the heartbeat of God's work in the world it's the church where the adventure is God has a mission and the church is central to this mission now big idea number two the mission moves forward in all kinds of ways this is no uh, formulaic cookie cutter thing which is why it's an adventure right because it takes all kinds of things it takes preaching and debating and asking questions and having conversations. It takes healing and serving and caring for people. It takes households and all kinds of weird and interesting people to see the mission through. I mean, just think about some of the characters that we've seen in this book. We've seen super religious, even murderous, right? Zealous to the point of murder Pharisees, blue-collar fishermen. We've seen businesswomen. We've seen Ethiopian eunuchs. We've seen Jews and Greeks and all kinds of different ethnic people involved in this thing. We've seen old people and young people. It takes all kinds of people, all kinds of weirdos, we might say, to see this thing through. This is actually really good news. Right? That God does not expect us to be anything than what he has created us to be. There is no one-size-fits-all approach. There's no ideal type of person. The book of Acts is full of regular, flawed people just like me, just like you, but people who are using their holy imagination and then watching God do crazy things over and over and over again. The mission moves forward in all kinds of crazy ways, which leads to big idea number three. The mission requires imagination because there's no formula because there's no three-step process it takes all kinds of people it takes all kinds of churches and it requires all kinds of models and strategies the mission moves forward in all kinds of ways and that requires us to use our imaginations the question for us is not what we should do the question is how there is so much creativity in the how How the church operated in Jerusalem was very different than how it operated in Ephesus, which was very different from how it operated in Corinth, which was different from Rome, and on and on and on. Our call, discovery, our call is not to be like the cool church in Sacramento or the big church in the Bay Area or the successful church in the Midwest. It is not to replicate the success of somebody somewhere else. It is to keep growing in our ability to testify to the good news of God's grace in this place at this time. Which again requires holy imagination. Holy imaginations to dream of what it looks like to plant churches, to start new ministries, to launch nonprofits. Holy imaginations for what it looks like to host people in our homes, right? To hang out with folks around a fire pit, to meet up for coffee. Holy imaginations for creating belonging and listening to each other's stories. Holy imaginations for the ways that we can love and care for each other's kids and families. Holy imaginations for what God might want to do in us and through us in this place at this time and so we pray like crazy and we dream like crazy and we do things that we haven't even thought of yet because this is a huge sandbox and god is inviting us to come play come play use your holy imagination big idea number four well we have a part to play god is the hero of the story We have a part to play, but God is the hero of the story. At the end of the day, it's his mission. The overwhelming picture we get in the book of Acts is of a God who is living and active, a God who moves and transforms. And yes, we participate, but this is God's story. I think a temptation of the book of Acts is to look at people like Paul, like Peter, like like some of these other individuals, and think, oh, i got to be like them. But the point of the story is not Look at what Paul did. Look at what Peter did. The point of the story is look at what God did. It's His story. Now, this doesn't minimize us. I I believe it actually should free us. It should free us because we, we get to try stuff. We get to experiment. We get to manage, imagine, create, share, do whatever we can to testify to the good news of God's grace, but it's all His. It's His creation, His story, His church, and so we can be free, free to play, free to participate, free to dream, but free from the guilt and the weight of the world on our shoulders. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1 Let me just quickly review those those four things one more time. God is a mission. The mission moves forward in all kinds of ways. The mission requires imagination. And while we have a part to play, God is the hero of the story. Our prayer and hope for this conversation, this time that we've spent in the book of Acts over the last year, has been that you sense and are excited about the adventure of the church. That you experience this Freedom, that, that participation in God's mission and his story can look all kinds of ways. And then that you let your imagination go wild, right, for this thing called the church. <laughs> Back to the opening question, does God still do crazy things? Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. Of course He does. God still moves. God is still writing this story, and it still happens in crazy ways, ways that go way beyond our imaginations. Back to our time in, in Uruguay. Our last night um, at La Ruta, the campus house, the, the ministry that we support down there, this young man named Ignacio, his nickname is Nacho. He came up to us and, and he just started to cry um and, and share with us how grateful he is for Laruta and David and Claudia and for that ministry and how it has helped him through not just difficult moments but also just make sense of his life a few years ago he had uh, he got dumped by a girlfriend he he went through an existential crisis he started experimenting um with like new age spirituality and other kinds of things. And it was in, the, in that place that he got invited by somebody to just some fun event that the ministry was putting on that introduced him to this community. And then it was through that community that he met Jesus and his life was radically transformed. And so he just stood there with tears in his eyes and thanked us for our support of that, for making it possible for people like him to have that transformative encounter with Jesus. Now, that is a cool story, right, in and of itself, but I want you to think about this for a minute. Why does that place even exist? Okay, why is there a campus ministry in Montevideo, Uruguay? Well, it's because a guy named David played soccer with a bunch of stoners on the beach six years ago. Now, that's a whole interesting story in and of itself, but why was he playing soccer with a bunch of people who were high. Well, it was because he and his wife, two Chileans, had moved to Montevideo. They they made this big risky decision to move there and start a campus ministry from scratch. And so David was just trying to meet people and, and, and make some connections. Now, why did they do that? Why did they make that move? Well, they made that move because 20 years ago, a couple of people from Atlanta, Georgia moved to Chile right after they graduated from Georgia Tech to start one of the first Global Scope sites in South America. And that's the ministry where David and Claudia met each other and where they met Jesus and received a call to ministry. Now, why did those students move from Georgia Tech to Chile? Well, it's because of this this. Guy named Rick Harper, who is just a total Georgia hick, who was doing campus ministry at Georgia Tech, and, and he sensed God saying, "Hey, your students need to have a bigger perspective. They are way too narrowly focused. Take them overseas. Introduce them to other people and other cultures." And he started doing that, and that led to this dream for global campus ministries called Global Global Scope. They now have over. 14 different sites around the world helping university students discover the good news of Jesus. And then, and then, why were seven people from Davis sitting there in La Ruta hearing Ignacio's story? It's because God brought Steve and Amy to Boston from Salinas, California over 10 years ago where they met Tim and Stephanie Hawkins who had moved to Boston from Columbia, Missouri because they sensed God calling them to start a campus ministry there. And it was through all of those connections that Steve met Rick in Dallas, Texas. Because this is how God works, right? All these crazy ways through all these weird people, God still moves in crazy ways that go well beyond what we could dream and imagine on our own. And I think the issue for us is not that God doesn't move in crazy ways anymore. It's that we miss it because our imaginations have been stunted. Because we've stopped taking risks. Because we've lost our ability to dream God-sized dreams. This is the invitation of the book of Acts. Dream. You cannot out-dream God. Think about Paul. Paul had this focus on, I got to get to Rome, right? That was his dream. If I could just get to Rome, that's great. But God was like, no, it's bigger than that, right? Ends of the earth, the ends of the earth, all the way to Montevideo, to Davis, to Woodland, to you name it. And so as we come in for a landing, I just want to ask this question, what is stirring in you? Where do you feel that spidey sense, in your holy imagination? What dream has God given you? How will you testify to the good news of God's grace? Let's pray and then we'll get ready for communion. Father, I, we just pause right now and, and pray over our church. I pray over those who, who are hearing this, participating in, uh, in this conversation today, God. Would You stir in us big dreams? Would You remind us that You still do crazy things to spread Your good news, in our communities, but also to the ends of the earth. God, we ask that you would expand and fire up our holy imaginations. And then, God, would you give us these stories? Would you show us these moments that go way beyond anything that we could even dream or imagine on our own? God, we simply want to be a part of furthering your mission for your creation. And so may we partner with you in your story that you are telling. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. One final thing from these last couple chapters in the book of Acts in chapter 27, there's the shipwreck and they wash up on the shore. And after all of this, we read in chapter 27 verse 35, Paul took some bread and gave thanks. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. And then he broke it and he began to eat and they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. In the middle of the shipwreck, Paul breaks bread and gives thanks. Now, there's some debate here about whether or not this is truly a communion moment. I think it's pretty clear what Luke is trying to have us see here. That in the middle of the shipwreck, Paul breaks bread and gives thanks. That in the middle of the mess, in the middle of what looks like the end of his dream, He breaks bread and gives thanks. When we talk about the church and God's mission and what God is up to in the world and that He's still alive and active and moving and crazy things still happen, I think sometimes we may have this sense of like, that's great and that's wonderful and I'm glad that that's true, but I'm a mess. And so who am I to participate in that? Or that just feels really disconnected from my reality. And so I want us to come back to this moment, right? Before Paul makes it to Rome, right? Before his dream is fulfilled, there's a shipwreck. And in the middle of the shipwreck, he doesn't pout or give up hope. He breaks bread and gives thanks. And so as we come to the communion table today, Palm Sunday, heading into Holy Week, getting ready for Good Friday, the end of Lent, Resurrection Sunday. It may, f- it may not feel like a special Holy Week moment, right? It may feel more like a shipwreck. But my invitation to you is to come to the table and to break bread and to give thanks and to be encouraged. This is God's story, right? This is God's story. This is what He is telling So wherever you might be this morning, I want to invite you to come uh, with whatever elements you have in front of you today. Come to the table. Bring it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. And break bread and give thanks. Because our God is alive and active and on the move. When you're ready, would you take communion with us?